0: Tonight's class was dedicated by Anonymous um, for a special blessing for all those that are struggling. So I think basically it's for everyone, but extra for those who struggle, are struggling extra, that they should have a big, 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 big blessing for the up and coming new year, that their struggle should lighten up, it should be less of a struggle in every aspect of their life that they're having hardship in, the hardship should disappear, and whatever is lacking should be filled in all areas of life, so that's a very special bracha, and a special call in addition to a blessing from Hashem but, being that we're partners with Hashem, and that's the whole content of today's class, of Rosh Hashanah of our edition, so that if anyone listening to this class knows of someone struggling so that we should be in partnership with Hashem to help and eliminate whichever way possibly we can or to lighten up the struggle. So that's that's the dedication for tonight which is really special. So thank you, Anonymous. Today's year has also been sponsored by our dear, dear friends, Ellie and Eliza Sharf, and this is in honor of the new baby boy who just had his breasts and got his name, Pinchas Yaakov, may the Ebishter bench you both to raise him in good, good, good health, and I have a whole bunch of nachas, beautiful Yiddish nachas from him and from all your wonderful, beautiful children. And also a big, big mazel tov to the Zadie and Babi, Reb Shloima and Gabi Goldner. Shem should bless you with abundant, 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 abundant nachas from your entire family. Now, <coughs> this is the last Parsha in my life class in 5778. That means it has to be a special class. So let's pray that it's going to work out. Okay. Um, this week, the parsha that it is is Parshas Nitzavim, and that's very unique because almost every year, the parsha is Nitzavim Vayelech. It's two parshios together. In rare occasions, do we split Nitzavim from Vayelech, and we make two parshias And this year, we do that. And Nitzavim and Vayelech, even when they together are very small. As is, and especially when Nitzavim stands on its own Vayeluch, it's a tiny little part, but tiny only in size but huge in content so before we get to Parshas Nitzavim and the split when it's Vayeluch, is also a very unique idea because there are many Torah portions in the year in our, we, we, we split the, the reading of the Torah over the course of the year but being that we have more Torah portions than Sh- Shabbos especially since the holidays come in and sometimes occupy some of the Shabbos, Shabbos in which we don't read the Torah. So therefore, we make combinations. We take various different parashios and we join them together. Tazria, Mitzorah, Achreimos, Kedoshim, Vayakel, Pakude, Truma, Tetzaveh. These are all parashios that join up and pair up with each other. Matos, Masai, many parashios. And um, so what's unique is that all of those partials are essentially two partials that sometimes are joined together. Even if most of the times they're joined together, there's still two parshas joined together. Netzavim Vayelech is really one parsha that's sometimes split. We once spoke about that and proved that but this is different than all the others. This is we're dealing with one parsha that is split. When well, we're going to talk about the uniqueness and the incredible godly significance of a split Netzavim Vayelech, and how that has some very very powerful message and something really really good. Okay? We'll get to that in a moment. Let's just talk about the up and coming goodies of this year. This year that's coming our way, 5779, is a very, very, very special year. In general, we're living in a very special time, as we're living in Mashiach's, in the era of Mashiach. And if we, anybody has a little bit of eyes to look around, we were seeing so many things happening this year that are so spectacular, so godly, so unbelievable. Assistance to the Jewish people, assistance to the hidden living in Eretz Yisrael and the like, where against all odds and against whatever, the Eberster has made that certain things that don't make any sense naturally why it is this way, how this could have happened, but yet Israel is in a much better place now than it was a year or two years ago because of certain policies, which, like, unbelievable, and it doesn't make any sense in the United States how it happened. But when it regards to the Jewish people, and regards to the state of Israel, and it's in terms of them and their enemies, it's huge. So you see clearly how God come and like is doing His thing. Whether people approve, whether people don't approve in terms of the regular running of the country or the run of the world. When it comes to what is the future of the Jewish people and saving the Jewish people in Israel, and so on and so forth, and hopefully preparing the way for the third temple and so on and so forth, it's huge. So we see great things happening. We're living in awesome times. And now... Um, the year five seven seven eight, awesome year. The number eight is miraculous, but nine is nine. <laughs> you know, I'm always going to find how the year that we're in is the greatest, but this year it really is. <laughs> but here, 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 let me say something. Um, what I'm going to share with you today about the uniqueness of the year is very interesting. The Lubavitcher Rebbe. In the year 5751, five, announced to the world that the time of the redemption has arrived and that we're already living in the midst of the redemption. That means everything happening in the world in the last 26 years, well, not 26, 28 years, is purely redemption. Uh, I wish we can hurry things up already and rush it up, but we're in the midst of the process. I couldn't tell you that because I'm just me. I'm a little, you know, a little rabbi. <laughs> but the rabbi is a huge rabbi and he sees things that we don't see. And uh, he says, and he even said it's a prophecy. No kidding around. No kidding around. He said it's a prophecy. He said before Mashiach comes, prophecy is going to return. And the rabbi then said, I am speaking to you as a prophet. I think even the Hasidim didn't get what he's saying. He said, "He said a whole Shabbat saying, i I'm, t- 'I'm telling you this.' So we're, we're we're now in the time of the giyula. But what I, what's interesting is that in the year five seven five two, the Rebbe had a stroke, and for two years he wasn't speaking. Now, the last time he spoke Rosh Hashanah was in the year five seven five one appearing for the year 5752. And he gave a phenomenal talk about the uniqueness of the 5752 year. Tav Shin, Nun, Beis, how really, really unique and special that year is based on a few different factors that are coming together. What's really, really unique and special is that this coming year, 5779, is the exact same year in terms of the calendars we're going to see all those uniquenesses that happened in 5.7.7 7, and 5.752 5, creating a very unique and special year repeats itself in 5.779 now did it happen in any of the 28 years in between I don't know we have to really check the calendar but again years they, they design themselves different some years are a leap year some years are this this and we're soon going to see that this, is, this year has a certain perfection, has a certain wholesomeness that, we, that, that is very unique, that we really find so many factors coming together to create the perfect year. This year is the perfect year. And being that the Rebbe then was so much driving the redemption, driving the redemption, anybody that saw that, you saw a human being standing in this world and literally wrestling with, the entire cosmos to bring the redemption for whatever reason it didn't fully materialize to our eyes but at that year he was talking about how the year 5752 is so opportune for the geula related to what what we're just going to talk about so now we have chance number two okay so when, when we have all these things coming together it creates unbelievable opportunity for us as individuals and for the world as a whole so let's see what's so special about the upcoming year. So first of all, the up and coming year is a leap year. Okay, that happens many times. But it's a leap year, a Jewish leap year. A Jewish leap year means that we're going to add an extra month in order to even out the lunar calendar with the solar calendar. Because the, the Jewish calendar is based only on a lunar cycle on the moon. And the seasons of the year are based on the solar system on the sun. So the sun year, which relates, what has to do with the with the sun's movement versus the the lunar calendar which has to do with the 12 months of, of the moon making its cycle around earth they're different with 11 days that means the moon has a shorter rotation and it and it and it completes its cycle 11 days before the sun so what's going to happen is slowly but surely after a couple of years our Jewish calendar Hebrew calendar which is going after the lunar is going to suddenly move away from the seasons and if every year we lose 11 days before you know it Rosh Hashanah is going to Rosh Hashanah, Pesach is going to start coming out in March which and then Pesach usually comes out in April spring okay April mid April beginning of April May that's the season of Pesach after a while, Pesach will start coming out of March and then in two, three years later it will be in, in February and before you know it it will be in the middle of the winter, January. And before you know it, Pesach will come out in fall and then Pesach will move. Similar to the Muslim calendar, if you know Ramadan, moves its way around because they're only fixed on the lunar calendar. We the Jewish people kind of adjust the lunar calendar to the solar calendar. So this year is a leap year. What we do is to adjust it is every few years we throw in an extra month. So that's how we adjust. We keep Pesach in its place by adding that extra month so the 30 days that we lost in 3 years we gain that's the way it is this year is going to be a a leap year 13 months which mean now the sages refer to a year like this as remember the term shana tamima a very wholesome year a complete year that means that a regular year is like you might look at it and say no this is the regular year and a leap year is a year plus an addition. That's the way we usually think of it. But from the way the Talmud refers to it, that this in Erachim, that this year is called Eshana Tamima, means that other years are missing. The thirteenth month is really part of time, and it's just subtracted regularly. And now we have it. There's a certain wholesomeness in time. Number one. Now, in the months themselves, this year is is there is a certain wholesomeness because how many months is there on the lo- in a in a in a hebrew month how many days i'm sorry how many days are there in a hebrew month there are 29 or 30 see in the lunar calendar in the i mean on the solar calendar on the secular calendar you have months that are 30 days and months that are 31 days but in the lunar calendar you have you have months that are 29 days and months that are thirty days. That's why we have some months in which you have two days Rosh Chodesh, and some months where there is one day Rosh Chodesh. Okay, so um, now, why, why is it sometimes twenty-nine and sometimes and sometimes thirty? That's because a full, complete moon cycle, from when the moon is born. Until when the moon is born again, right? We have to, you have the birth of the moon, and the net, then the moon reaches, it, it, it grows to its full on the 15th of the month, Hebrew month. Then it begins to dwindle less and less and less until there's no light in the sky. And then it's born again. We call it a new moon. So from new moon to new moon is 29 and a half days. You can't have a month 29 and a half. Since the sages didn't want to have, since we didn't want a calendar with a half days half the day belongs to one month and half the day belongs to the next month and since you have half days so how many... so from twelve half days what do you do? you create six whole days so you'll have six months that are thirty and six months that are twenty-nine that's how they evened it out instead of making every month twenty-nine and a half they took and and sometimes they they subtracted from six months half a days and they made them twenty-nine days and from other months, they added a half a day and they made them into 30 days. Fine, that's the way the calendar works. But it's not exactly 29 and a half days. It makes it a little more complicated. There is 793 that is that are really their extra parts. So after a little while, you start adding up these extra parts of time and you need to put them somewhere. Because we, we built it on halves you have more than a half so what do you do with these extra crumbs after, you, after a while these extra crumbs make up a full day that's why there are two months in the Hebrew calendar that are not fixed to be either 30 or 29 two months in the year that the month can be either 29 or 30 what do I mean by that all the other months let's Tishrei the month of Tishrei the month of Tishrei is fixed. It's always 30 days. <coughs> always. You're never going to have Tishrei with 29 days. Tishrei is always The month of um, Tammuz. Always 29 days. Always. It's never 30. So it is. All months of the year, they're, they're, some, they're either from the 29 or they're 30. Besides two months of the year, and they are Cheshvan and Kislev. the two months after Rosh Hashanah, after Tishrei, Cheshvan and Kislev can either be 29 or they can be 30. This year, now, sometimes both of them are 29, sometimes one is 29 and the other is 30, and it can be either one, and sometimes both of them are 30. When both of them are 30, it's called a Shana Shalema, a complete year. Following, when you have a leap year, it's called a shanatamima, a, a, a wholesome year. When you have the that's when you add an extra month. But when the when the two possible months that are possible to be only twenty nine days, and they're possible also to be thirty, are both in their fullest state of thirty days, that year is called in the in the calendar year or those who, those who were busy with the calendar or developed the calendar they refer to it as a complete year a Shana Shlema so this year that's coming upon us is Cheshvan and Kislev are both full months they're both full months 30 days months so this year is a Shana Tamima it has an extra and it's a Shana Shlema which by the way here's your trivia question what is it? it's the longest possible year Hebrew year. From this Rosh Hashanah to next Rosh Hashanah is the most days in a year possible. It's 300, I think, in 83 or 84 days, something like that. It's the longest span from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. So if you don't like Rosh Hashanah so much, it's hard for you to deal with it. After Rosh Hashanah, you can take a big, big breath because it's not going to be Rosh Hashanah for quite a while. It's the longest uh, uh, a year possible. This coming year. So that's two of the perfections. But the third one is very important. Here's the third perfection that there is in the coming year Pesach falls out on Shabbos. Okay? Friday is going to be the day before Pesach. Pesach falls out on Shabbos. When Pesach falls out on Shabbos, follow with me. There's two. When do we start counting the seven weeks? The night after the first day Passover, Pesach, we start counting our yearly count of seven weeks. Now, if you remember, in the verse it says, You should count count from the morrow of the Shabbos. Now there were those who were non-believers in the Torah, in the oral law, they only believed in the Torah, only in the written law, they insisted that we always begin counting Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos even if Pesach came out on Tuesday or Wednesday, because the sages knew that when it says you should count on the morrow of the Shabbos, it doesn't mean Shabbos. It means Pesach. Pesach is Shabbos. That, that we call, it's a borrowed term, Pesach is referred to as Shabbos. But this year, it actually fits literally what Scripture says, what the Pasuk says, you should start counting on the morrow of the Shabbos, because the first day of Svirus is Sunday, meaning Saturday night, Sunday. What's so great about that? The seven weeks that we count to Shavuos are consistent with the weeks of creation Because we have to count seven weeks Now if I said to you today is Monday If I say three weeks is my birthday Is there anything wrong with me saying that in three weeks Monday is my birthday? No, because three weeks we can We understand that weeks doesn't always mean Sunday, Monday, Tuesday I can say three weeks means seven seven days from now is a week So I can start Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday it's a week but the truest meaning of a week if we want to say it in its purest form a week begins on Sunday and ends on Shabbos so when the Torah says you should count seven weeks ordinarily those seven weeks are a little bit a little bit off they're not consistent with what God created the week there's our Torah counting and there is God's creation of the world seven days from Sunday to Shabbos this year they synchronize The calendar year Sorry, the, cal- the, the week of, of creation The natural week And the counting mitzvah count Of the seven days Now the sages say that when that happens It's called temimos Wholesome counting Because the verse by Pesach says You should count seven weeks Temimos, they should be complete and the sages say, when is it to me most complete to the fullest meaning of the word? When Pesach comes out on Shabbos, that means you start counting on Sunday, so everything aligns. So now to appreciate that even better, especially if you're a little bit into the Kabbalistic meaning of the counting, we know that seven days correspond to the seven sefirot attributes. And we all have seven emotions inside of us and every day we work on a different one of our emotions. So Sunday we work on, not Sunday, the first day of Sefira we work on our Chesed, and the second day we work on our Gevurah and so on every day. Now, that, that's true even if Sefira starts on Wednesday. You're still working on Wednesday. It's your first day, so it's Chesed. It's a little strange, because Wednesday is not really the energy of Chesed. It's, Wednesday is the energy of Netzach. And meanwhile, I'm doing my Sefira so and I'm focusing on Chesed, so it's a little confusing, right? It, 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 you have to be able to... You have to be able to juggle two ideas Yeah, it's Wednesday in terms of week time But it's Sunday in terms of sphera time But this year, it all like flows There's like a flow The the, the Jewish experience is kind of consistent with the cosmic energy Sunday, Monday, Sunday is chesed Everything like fits Okay, so we have this year three levels of perfection In the year Two of them related to natural time And one of them related uniquely to Jewish time Meaning to say a mitzvah that the Jewish people have To do with time And they're all perfect So that's unique about this year And to have all these three come together Creates that perfect year Creates that perfect year Okay But now Now there's a simon I do want to say There is a simon for this type of year. And Asiman means the codifiers of Allah give it a special name. So the people that work with calendars are familiar. They call it the Bashaz year. Okay? The Bashaz year. Beiz Shin Zion. What does it mean, Bashaz year? Beiz means Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday. This year, Rosh Hashanah falls out on Monday. Okay? All right? This coming, next Monday is Rosh Hashanah when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday that's the base. Shin comes from the word Shlema complete is the acronym is the first letter in the word Shlema complete this year is a complete year why? because Cheshvan and Kislev are 30 days so it's a Shlema year what's the Zion? Base Shin, Zion Zion stands for Pesach being on Shabbos. Zion is Shabbos. But they don't say Pesach. They say Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Rosh Nisan. Now Pesach always comes out the same day like Rosh Chodesh Nisan because Pesach is the 15th of the month. So the same day that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is, 15 days later, it's exactly two weeks later. Okay, 14. So Rosh Chodesh Nisan comes out on, a, on, on Shabbos. So that means Pesach is on Shabbos. So that's the year. Codified. If you, if you were into writing calendars all I would, and you ask me how should I write this calendar what exactly, how do we print this and I would tell you it's a bashaz you would know based on the meaning of bashaz okay this is what I'm going to do I'm going to lay out the this is the is going to be 30 days this is going to be 30 days remember Hashanah is Monday then I can figure out the rest of the year remember Chodesh Nisan is a Shabbos but here's the trick it will only work out to be a bashaz it can only happen this consistency only on a leap year so you have to add, even though the leap year is not mentioned in it, only with the leap year can you have that Rosh Hashanah is on Monday, Cheshvan Kislev being full, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan coming out on Shabbos. It's only if you have a leap year. Okay, that's the year. So remember, it's a Basha's year. Now, if you're not confused yet, let me confuse you. Alright, so hold on, get ready for some confusion. Yeah, it's not hard. I think it's... it's, it's, it's here's, here's the next interesting thing when it comes to, there has to be certain rules about when you read what. So in Shulchan Aruch, let me read you in Shulchan Aruch, in the laws of Rosh Chodesh, where it sets, so in, in Simon Tov Chav Ches, this is the code of Jewish law, it gives you exactly what you read when, and it says like this, Atan Nitzavim Kodem Rosh Hashanah, the Parsha Nitzavim, always read before Rosh Hashanah. Ulechenkish Rosh Hashanah, Biyoim Beis and Gimel, when Rosh Hashanah comes out Monday or Tuesday. Now let's remember a rule. <laughs> We'll give you all the rules of the calendar today. Here is a rule: Loi Adu Rosh, Rosh Hashanah can never be Sunday, Wednesday, or Friday. The first day, Rosh Hashanah. Loi Adu Aleph is Sunday, Dalit is Wednesday, Vav is Friday. So you know that Rosh Hashanah never falls out the first day on Friday, never on a Wednesday, never on a Sunday. So what are your leftover days? Rosh Hashanah can be Monday, the first day, Tuesday, Thursday, or Shabbos. Rosh Hashanah can only be one of four days The first day of Rosh Hashanah Okay, Monday So, if Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday Or on Tuesday Which this year it falls out on what? On Monday What happens then? That will make That means it comes out in the beginning of the week That will make us That there will be two Shabbos Between Rosh Hashanah And And Not in Yom Kippur Two Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot there will be two Shabbos in Rosh Hashanah, so we need to have two readings. Now, Sukkis we're going to read already. Vezos So the Shabbos after Yom Kippur we're going to do Hazinu. You know how many parshas are left? Litzavim, Vayelech, Hazinu, Vezos habracha. Four parshas. So Simchas Torah we finish the Torah we read Vezos habracha. before Sukkis we need a parsha, so we read Hazinu. Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We don't have a parsha because Nitzavim has to be before Rosh Hashanah. So we have no, no choice but to slice Nitzavim in half and make Nitzavim Vayelech. I told you earlier, Nitzavim Vayelech is really one parsha. It's one parsha. We're forced sometimes to split it in half and create a new parsha called Vayelech. Why are we forced to split the Nitzavim from the Vayelech? Because we need an extra reading. We have an extra Shabbos there. So, Abnitzavim always has to be before Rosh Hashim, for whatever reason. I'll tell you why the reason. If anybody was paying attention to the reading of the Torah this last week, it was horrible. Sorry. <laughs> you weren't horrified. You weren't listening. It says, women will eat their babies. That's what it says. Do you want to hear more? No, I'm not going to tell you anymore. That's one of the things it says Basically it gives us 98 curses That all of them were fulfilled in Jewish history said. But all of these curses were fulfilled in Jewish history By the time of the destruction of the temple There was such a hunger That women ate their children It was horrible We don't want to come into Rosh Hashanah With, 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 in that, in that, with that feeling of what we just read in Shul So we want to read We want to make an interruption between that and Rosh Hashanah So we add We always have to read Nitzavim once you read Nitzavim before Rosh Hashanah, and now you're left with what? So you're going to... You don't have a parasha. To, you, have two, you have two Shabbases now between Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. You have to f- give them both a parasha. So Hazinu goes to, goes to the Shabbos between Rosh, between Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and... I'm sorry. Between Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Sukkot. And, and uh, Nitzavim before... So what do you do? You split Nitzavim and we take Vayelech and we put it... For what we call the famous Shabbos, Shabbos called Shabbos Shuva, the Shabbos of Tshuva So the Shabbos of Tshuva is Parshah's Va'yelah. So you're following? Okay? So the sages say, so here's what they say. What's a sign? How do you remember that? They want to give the people who might not have a calendar, which will tell them which Parshiri. In those days, believe it or not, you're not going to believe it. It's unbelievable. It's so hard to imagine this. But in those days, I'm serious, there was no WhatsApp. So you didn't get like an automatic like thing that told you which parsha, when is candle lighting, when is, you know, you always have the people who are like I love those people, there are people who for whatever reason feel they're responsible for the whole community and they'll send you exactly when it's Shabbos candle lighting, when it's this It's beautiful, God, see the, it's really God providing So Hashem throws the thoughts and ideas to people like Oh my inspiration I'm accepting for my birthday is to notify all my lists when Shabbos is I guess we need some people like that to keep us all informed so it's nice. Thank you. But in any case, in the days that they didn't have that, and, you know, and let's say they don't have a calendar, how do you know what you read in Shaul? So there is, a, there is a, a sign. And the sign is called Pas Bag HaMelech. Pas bag ha-melech. What in the world does that mean? Pas Bag ha-melech. It's a Apostle Can Say for Daniel. It says. It's so funny how it seems so random. Soon we're going to see it's not random. It's so cool, but it seems so random. They found the sages found two words, which they can, which they can um, um, associate and use as a sign. Before I tell you what it says in Daniel, let's first look at the word Paz Bag and see how it gives you a sign of what to do. So they say like this. Let's, let me first tell you how you spell it There's two words Pazbag and Hamelech So follow Pazbag is spelled Pey tough Baz gimel Pazbag It's a Aramaic word Pazbag It means food We'll get to that in a minute Okay. Pazbag is an Aramaic word Hamelech means the king So this is what we learned Bag, so we play on the word Pazbag. And we say it like this When bays and Gimel, the end of the word Pazbag, when bays and Gimel, which is Monday, bays is two, and Monday and, and Gimel is three, referring to Monday and Tuesday. So when Hamelech, which is Rosh Hashanah, because what do we do in Rosh Hashanah? We crown Hashem as a king. Hamelech, God is king, right? Rosh Hashanah is all about crowning the king, the coronation of the king. When HaMelech, which is Rosh Hashanah, comes out on Bag, which is Bays or Gimel, Monday or Tuesday, which I said earlier, when Rosh Hashanah comes out at the beginning of the week, it leaves you with a dilemma that you'll have two Shabbat's between Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. So what do you do? Pass The first two letters of the word Paz Bag is Pas. Pas means bread, but Pas also means to break off a piece. Peace. Peace. The reason why bread is actually called pas, if you're familiar with the word pas Yisrael, pas, right? Pas is bread. Why is bread called pas? Because a bread, you don't take a loaf of bread and put it in your mouth. A bread you slice, you cut off pieces. So the whole idea of bread is, 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 is pas, pisis, in, pieces. So, so again, let's go back to the word. Pas bag hamelech. HaMelech, when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Bays and on Gimel, on Monday or on Tuesday, pass, we break off a piece of Parshas netzavim and we create a new parasha called Vayelech and we read Vayelech separately. That's the song. Where does it come from? Did the sages make up these two words? No, it's a pasuk in Daniel. What does it say in Daniel? It says that Nebuchadnezzar, okay, the one the savage who destroyed the first temple, when he came up to the, the first time with his armies, he, he, he managed to take captive Yehoiakim. He was the king of the Jewish people. He took him into captivity. He exiled a bunch of Jews. He brought them to Babylonia, and he knew the Jews are very smart, and he wanted to have Jewish minds and Jewish thinkers in his government. So he invited the smart ones, young people, from young children that were like prodigies and smart. And he said they should come. He brought them young children that were good-looking and very, very wise, because everybody knew the Jerusalemites, Jerusalemites, Jerusalemites. I don't know, it's not coming up. But the, the children from Jerusalem were smart. So he wanted to have these smart kids grow up in his palace and share with him. And he had them taught the, the, the Babylonian language he taught them in everything and he provided all their needs so the Pasuk says vayaman lahem the king provided for them davar yom biyomo every single day beautiful words mi from the food of the king and from his wine in other words they ate royal food he fed what's with what kosher he must have had some much there to help out with the kosher but that's what it says he provided them food from his table the sages grab those two words, Pas, Bag, HaMelech, and randomly say, oh, that's a good sign for Rosh Hashanah coming. It's strange. <laughs> what does it have to do with it? How do you take, again, it fits, bays Gimel, HaMelech, when Rosh Hashanah comes out Monday and Tuesday, Pas, we break off, Vayelech. But what does it have to do with this, Nebuchadnezzar taking children, Jewish children, bringing them into his palace, and feeding them? Stay tuned. So we'll see what that is and how special this year is. Okay. So this is a Paz Baga Melech year. Let's try to figure out why that's significant and what's so good and what's so special with Nitzavim Vayelech being in two Torah portions. Basically, in that talk that the Rebbe spoke, he comes up with the greatest explanation why the greatest Rosh Hashanah possible is Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday. Tuesday, pretty good, but even better on Monday. When Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday, super good. It's like the, it's like the, it's that illustrates Rosh Hashanah in its strongest. Rosh Hashanah in its in its really really really, strongest emphasis on the quality of Rosh Hashanah, comes out. In other words, we have to dig into the essence of Rosh Hashanah. And when we really get the secret of Rosh Hashanah, we'll understand why the most appropriate day for Rosh Hashanah is on a Monday. Now Tuesday also, but again as I said earlier, it's better on Monday. Because Bag can mean Monday. Or now this year, it's Monday and Tuesday. But the Bag sign is even, even when Rosh Hashanah first day is Monday or Tuesday. But this year it's better because both days are part of the Paz Bag. Okay, so what's the Paz Bag? Why is that so great? Why is it so great Rosh Hashanah comes out on a Monday? And why is that the root of a year that's so special, so complete, with all the perfections? And the answer is awesome. And that is as follows. Rosh Hashanah is not the birthday. Everybody, you know, yeah. Rosh Hashanah the birthday of the world. It's not the birthday of the world. Because the world's birthday is going to be tomorrow night. God created the world the beginning in in the beginning God created heaven and earth God actually began the creation on Friday not Sunday Hashem began the creation I'm sorry on on the 25th of Elul you're wondering on whose calendar what? before creation how was it the 25th of Elul? that's a good philosophical question you can deal with it but that's what it was the 25th day of Elul is the day that God began His creation that's Sunday. And then you go 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. And then the 30th day, which is the first day of Tishrei. Because Elol is one of those months that only has 29 days. So the sixth day is the 30th. It's not the 30th, it's the first day of Tishrei. That's Friday. And what did God make on Friday? Man. Hashem created Adam HaRishon on Friday. So And when do we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the world? We don't do it on the 25th of Elul. We celebrate on the first day of Tishrei, which is the birthday of man. And the question is, why do we celebrate the birthday of man? And the simple answer is, because man is the prize is the prize creation. He is the ultimate creation. Or we might say the crown jewel of creation he is the human being. He is the highest creature, the one with the most potential, and so on and so forth. But it really goes deeper than that. What we are excited about is not that God created. It's nice that God created. We are excited about our Rosh Hashanah about what we can add to God's creation. What we little shmendricks, we are little peepsqueaks talking about God. He creates the world. It's like, like, unbelievable. And yet, God wants the world perfected. He says, the world that I created is good, but I want you to make it very good. So we find an interesting thing. Immediately when God creates the world, it says, We say it in Kiddush Friday night. God completed. No, what's the word over there? No no before that what's the word why, why is it sleeping in my head here hold on give me a second over here Now I'm looking for the word la- Lassos here uh, yeah. we say bara elokim lassos, that Hashem Hashem completed all the work that God created Lassos to do so what does it mean that God created to do So the sages say The word lasos Comes from the word to fix To correct So God created a perfect world But God wants us to fix His perfect world That What does it mean? How do you you fix a perfect world? Now we all know That we got busy with We have other work to do What's the work that we need to do? We have to fix that which we broke Hashem created a beautiful world And we, we messed it up On the first day Adam and Chava ate from the tree of knowledge, we messed the whole thing up and we're busy fixing it. But the idea that we're fixers is really, was there already embedded in us that we need to fix something because when God created us, even before we had this brilliant idea to sin and to mess things up so that we can fix it, it was initially embedded in us because the whole purpose in the creation is that we should fix it. The creation was always about an improvement that needed to happen. It's only that Had we not messed it up, we would have improved on the perfection. It would have always been perfect, and we would have improved on the perfection by making it perfect of perfect, as we're soon going to see what that perfection is. The fact that we messed it up, so now we have to make it back perfect to begin with. It's broken, and we we have a broken world that needs to be fixed. But initially when God created it, He created it with an intention of an improvement to be made. We also find that, at the, when it says every day, familiar in, in the story of Genesis, the story of creation, at the conclusion of every day it says Va'yerevahiboker, Yom Rishon, Yom HaChad. Sorry, it was evening, it was night, Yom HaChad, one day. Va'yerevahiboker, Yom Sheini. Every day, today's two days, Monday. When it comes to um, Friday, what does it say? Va'yerevahiboker, it was evening and it was morning, Yom Hashishi. Doesn't say Yom Shishi. Should have said. Just like Yom Chami Yom Rivi, say that Yoyim Hashishi. That's how we begin Kiddush every day. Yoyim Hashishi, right? We say we mention Hashishi. What's the Hay? So Rashi tells us Hashishi means a special for, a special number six. Then the sixth day. What does that mean? Because already at the beginning of creation, God was craving an improvement. Which improvement? The improvement that's going to come on the sixth day. Which is the sixth day? In addition to the sixth day being the sixth day that Adam and Eve were created, Adam and Chava, so that they can improve. Talking about thousands of years later. On the sixth day of the month of Sivan, what happened? God gave the Jewish people the Torah. And that's when we really began the work on improving the perfect creation. When did we really get the tools to truly improve the world On the sixth day when we accepted the Torah. That's why it says the whole world was trembling. The world was very, very insecure, very unstable until the Jewish people received the Torah. And when we received the Torah, and we committed to fix the world. So Yom Hashishi. So from these two places you see that even though the world was created by God in a complete way, sages actually say, Olam al-Miluy'oi nivra the world was created in its fullest state. Everything was full, full, full. Nothing lacking. The sin made it deficient. Deficiencies in the world came as a result of sin. So even though the world was created in a perfect state, there is a higher perfection than God created. And He wanted us, humanity, and especially the Jewish people who have... Inherited the inner, inner, inner essence of the human power, which we're supposed to lead the entire human race into. Eventually, in the messianic era, but our work is improvement. And what's the improvement? So the sages say, when Mashiach will come, the 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 perfection, the perfectness, the wholesomeness of creation is going to be much greater than perfection that God created when he, when he created the world. Where do you see that? Moshiach's perfection is greater than the way it was. Notice, after we finish fixing the world from what we messed it up we're going to achieve an elevation that comes through our work which will far exceed the beautiful perfect world that God created before Adam and Chava messed it up. How do we see that? So the say, just say, how do you know the world was made perfect? I just proved to you from two places that there was something lacking in creation. It says that God created it, lit to fix. Or that Hashem created it initially and He said it's all, it's good, but in order for it to be really good, let's wait till, fr- till the sixth day when Jews will accept the Torah. So where do we see that the world was created perfectly? It says the word toldos. Right in the beginning of creation, it says these are the chronicles of the world. And the word toldos is spelled with a vav. A vav. And the sages say that every time it says toldos in the Torah, it's always missing the vav. This toldos is complete. It's complete. It says with a vav, which means that the chronicles, life, the, the whole system, the whole cosmos, which we can say is all part of the Evolution, toldos, everything evolving one from the other as the world perfect is in a full, the fullest state possible. It's full. That's the way it was created. Man came and messed up. Fine. It says there's one other place in the Torah where the word toldos is spelled with a love. Remember the story of Yehuda and Tamar? They had twins. And when they were born it says Ele toldos. these are the toldos and it says again toldos with above which words Ele Toldos Peretz who's Peretz anybody know Peretz is the son of Yehuda who's Mary Tamar the great 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 grandfather of King David the great 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 grandfather of Moshiach there it says again toldos full and it says an amazing thing. So simply you'll learn okay, when Mashiach will come, we will be back again perfect to the perfection that it was when God created it. But that's insane. That's ridiculous. Why did the God create a world with the possibility of messing it up so that we should mess it up and then we should fix it and bring it back after five and a half thousand years or close to six thousand years? to its perfection that it wasn't to begin with so why, what did we gain from all the pain and misery and sorrow and suffering and hardship what did we gain if all were back is the square one God could have created us without an evil inclination so we should never mess it up and we should never and the answer is Moshiach's perfection the wholesomeness of Peretz of the world of Mashiach, much greater and it's hinted to in these words and here, here's the secret of everything we're learning tonight Parrots, the word parrots comes from the word ufaratsta. What's ufaratsta? Means you will blast, you will break barriers. Paratsta means, lifroats means to create a breach. Breaching. Breaching what? Breaching the limitations of creation. And what's the, what's the point of that? The point of that is is to make the world infinite. To bring forth, to reveal the infinite, that which is... When God created the world, he created, he created a perfect finite world. But finite. And even though there is divine energy flowing in the world, but it's all with a limitation. It's all with certain boundaries in time and space. Everything has its... Because that's the nature of a creation. What's a creation? A creation is a being that's not God. God is eternal, absolute. A creation is what? It's limited. So even if we're perfect, we're perfect, limited beings. So the perfection that God put in the world is a perfection of... A a limited perfection. The perfection that the Jewish people, as a result of all the Torah and the mitzvahs, that we do, which will lead us to Mashiach, who is a grandson of Peretz, is that we're going to have a whole perfect world, but not a perfect world with, which still retains its limitations, but a perfect world whose limitations have become completely subsumed and melted and unified and joined with the infinite, with the absolute, with God Himself, and, and the creation and God are totally one, as we know that the ultimate purpose of creation is for Hashem to have a home in this world. For God's very self to be revealed over here. Which means not only to discover the godly energy of creation, but to reveal in this world power of Hashem that transcends creation, the infinite power of God, and even higher than that, God's very essence that's beyond infinite. That has to be revealed in the world. And that's what's going to happen when Mashiach comes as a derivative and as a result of all the work of all of us, thousands of years through plowing through the darkness. And yet, doing what we ought to be doing, learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, we elevate creation far, far beyond the perfection that God created it with. That's the idea. Man needed to improve already. On, now, how does man. Now, let's say, what is the work? What's our improvement? what is the work? we said before to reveal the infinite so how does that work? so let's take it the story of creation the story of creation from the beginning what did did Adam do the moment he opened his eyes? what did he do first thing? he woke up and he realized he's alive now did he know what it means to be alive? I don't know exactly what he felt I exist but at that moment he did something that the rest of creation couldn't do When a monkey gained consciousness, it immediately behaved like a monkey. Did what a monkey does. A monkey is looking for a banana. And some other stuff that a monkey is into. Right? And so every creature, the moment they were aware of themselves, their consciousness was to be who they are. The moment Adam was aware of himself, he didn't think... Of mm, a cheese omelet or a uh... sunny side up (laughs) that wasn't his first thought his first thought was I have a creator I have a God who created me why am I here I'm here to crown God as my king I guess he had an intrinsic knowledge of that and as he stood up he realized that his purpose, because he realized immediately that he is above and beyond all the other creatures and all the other creations, is that his purpose is to enlighten all of the creatures that are lower than him and bring them all to a recognition of God's sovereignty who created the world where the world is just a... a, a uh, facilitates. The, the world is an enabler for God to be a king because he can't be a king over yourself. So God created a creation so that He can now manifest His kingship over the creation. And what did Adam Arishon do the first second? He stood up and it says, you know, we say it Friday. Why do we say it Friday? We say, when we enter Shabbos, we say, Let us go sing to God. Let us go sing. Who said that? Adam Arishon said that on Friday. And what did he say? He called out to all the creatures of the world. And he said, Come let us bow down. He called to the lions, to the monkeys, to the birds to all the creatures to the owls to the eagles to the little butterflies and flies and bees and all the creatures in the world I guess at that time when the world wasn't messed up yet there was some level of communication going on between him and them in which he was able to kind of impress upon them that let's all join and acquire and guess what for, uh, for that, I don't know how long it lasted but for that beautiful moment all of creation stood in total submission to the creator and the purpose of creation was really fulfilled already right then and there when the entire world bowed down to their creator so what did Adam do? he revealed the creator in the creation he revealed God in the creation which was something that was lacking to take that a step deeper not only did Adam Arishon reveal that God created the world but Adam Arishun's job ultimately, I don't know if he did it immediately but his job ultimately I mentioned earlier, is to not just reveal that this is God's creation and God created it and he's the boss over it, but that the creation and God are totally one that all of existence is nothing more than an expression of God, and as a result of that what happens, eventually it becomes so, the world becomes so conscious of God's of who Hashem is. Especially as a result of the mitzvah. And the observance of Torah mitzvah that eventually was going to come to the human being. Which the mitzvahs, the commandments are stemming not from the godliness of creation. But the mitzvahs are coming from a much deeper, higher place in God. Mitzvahs emanate or stem from... Hashem's innermost private self as God is very, 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 very infinitely higher and beyond the finite creation. And when Adam is gonna do mitzvahs, these very physical mitzvahs that we do, him and his grandchildren are gonna do those mitzvahs, we're going to now draw and reveal not just the godliness of creation, but the divine energy that transcends creation, which is infinite, and even higher than that, God's very, very essence is gonna be revealed in the world. That's Adam's objective. And you see that an interesting thing. The empowerment, the empowerment for that to happen, for the human being to be able to reveal the creator in the creation, all the way to revealing God's essence in the creation. The empowerment happened, I mean God had to give us that power, or else we couldn't do it. When did the empowerment happen? It's amazing. When Hashem created Adam, what did he use to create him? What did he create him from? Pasik said, Hashem took Adam. min God took dirt, put the dirt together, made clay, and then in that clay, he blew into him a breath of life. Hashem blew into Adam a soul of life. Now let's read that a little deeper. Okay, you have this clay, dead piece of clay, Hashem infuses him with life, and they hear Adam, and Adam is a living being. Something much deeper. Adam was created from afar, from dirt. You know why? Because ultimately, the, 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 the Gemara says that everything comes from dirt. Since everything, every material, every Every substance of all of creation originated as dirt. Whatever that means, I, you know, I'm not saying it means physically. But it says everything caused go, from earth. Since Adam, Adam, needs to elevate and infuse and affect and impact all of creation, Hashem created Adam's body from earth. So Adam's body now is representing, contains within itself a person's, your, your, your body, my body, our bodies, all of our bodies have within it the DNA in a sense of absolutely everything that exists, of all of existence. What was the point of it? Point of it was and what does Hashem do immediately after you have this earth? He blows into him a soul of life. Which means he gives him a very, very high spiritual capacity. But now let's deep let's let's understand that and appreciate deeper. He gives him that nishmas chayim, a soul of life for a purpose. You know what that purpose is? If Adam has a nishama, that's a piece of God in himself, and if he can only reveal that piece of God that's in himself, in his body, while he's in a body, in a body, reveal, which means to connect the spirit, that, that, that soul to the body. So what it really empowered Adam to do is to reveal the soul that's in all of creation. Again, his body is the nucleus, so to speak, of all of creation. So when now, when Hashem gives him a soul of life into his body, is so that just... what's that? What does that mean? That he now has that ability to be able to reveal the soul in all of creation. That matter is not matter, that there is a divine energy, that there is a soul in creation. God is causing the creation... To be alive. He's pu- that, that, that everything is pulsating with godly light and divine energy. The creation on its own denies that. The creation on, the, on its own gives off a sense of independence, a sense of separateness, a sense of I am. I exist because I exist. Where did I come from? Some, some, some big bang that happened way back whatever. It's just an accident. It just happened. I just exist because I exist. It's all the lies. Creation will try to lie, and for that, it will create scientists and all, the whole thing that will just try. What is it all trying to do? Disconnect. Trying to deny a creator from the creation. Why? Because if I don't, you know, if 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 if, if there is no creator, if there's no God, then I can do whatever I want and then live my life like a like a like a total animal my own gratification instead of living in surrender to something higher than me. So God, at the very, very beginning, blew into Adam Arishon a nishmas chayim, a soul of life, so that He can reveal that life in His body and through His body into the entire world. That the entire world should, re- should experience the nishmas chayim. And what's the nishmas chayim? What's the soul of life? The soul of life, we spoke earlier, three levels. First, the soul is the Finite energy that God infused in creation, one level. Level number two, even infinite energy that's beyond the creation. That too should be drawn into creation through the mitzvahs that we do. And even deeper than that, the essence of God Himself. God's very, very private essence as He transcends everything. That too becomes nishmas chayim, the soul of life that is revealed in creation when Mashiach comes. That's the improvement. The empowerment came to us from Hashem. But the actual work, that's the work we all do. We struggle every day with a body and a physical reality that claims there is no God. That claims life is meaningless. So therefore let me just enjoy, make out of it anything that serves my ego, makes me feel good. And that's what If I have money, I'm going to keep it all for myself and for my own enjoyment. If I have talent, I'm just going to use it to make myself a name and make myself important, and so on and so forth. That's what we struggle with. But we also have, everybody knows, we have that conscience. And what's that conscience? Coming from our soul coming from Hashem, blowing our Neshama into us right now. Now, Because creation is a constant thing. And God is continuously bringing that that, that little awareness, especially as Jews. We realize, no, 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 life can't just be a, a, a freak accident. Where we just exist over here for no purpose, just for myself. Life is deeper, higher. I'm here to serve something bigger than my... Who's that? The singular being that created everything and everything to serve Him. How serve Him? Well, as the Torah tells us how to serve the Creator well that's the improvement But let's, let's, let's just get one tiny bit deeper so what is improved? really on the first day of creation on Sunday when Hashem created the world it says really on Sunday Hashem created everything when it says esha are, it's God created heaven and earth Everything was included. It says Esa shamayim includes all the heavenly beings. Esa Aretz includes everything that's in the earth. In a certain sense, even though creation took six days, the, the beginnings of every creature and every being was already here. Rashi says in the beginning of Bereshis that on Sunday, there were already all the trees and all the plants, but they were still underneath the earth. They were in the earth, submerged in the earth on Tuesday when Hashem said let there be vegetation they sprung forth what does that mean? that means that creation was a process where first everything existed but in a much in a compacted um, more like potential way and then it emerged out of course when I say potential I don't mean that it existed before God created it Hashem first created it in a general way and then He created it when God created the world in that general way there was a very, very, very heightened state of godly consciousness permeating the entire reality. That's why it's an amazing thing. At the end of Sunday, Sunday, when Sunday was, when, right at the, when the Torah describes what Hashem made on Sunday, it says, mm-hmm. It was evening, it was morning, Yom Echod, one day. And it's very different than all the other days. It should have said Yom Rishon. Because the second day it says Yom Shani. Yom Shlishi. Sheni means the second, Shlishi means the third, Revi'i means the fourth. So the first day should have been the first. If I want to say the first, the second, the third. It doesn't say that. It says the one, the second, the third. That's so inconsistent. The Torahs, come on the Torah has to be so inconsistent in the first paragraph. In the first paragraph, you're already starting off. Uh, the, the, the one day, the second, the third, the fourth, it doesn't read well. It feels like the author was tired. He was like, like, like not really thinking. So obviously, you know, that the author is God, and he's not doesn't get tired. He definitely wasn't tired when he was writing the Torah, right? So what does that mean? How does he do that? So the sages say that when it says one day, it represents the special state of existence of the first day of creation. What was the state of creation on the first day of existence? The state of creation on Sunday was that the world was permeated with oneness. With oneness. Meaning the world was very conscientious of God being its singular force that created it. What was conscious. Who was conscious of God? The potential bunny rabbits, the potential spiders, the plants, the trees, the humans, everything. Everything in the world was in a state of oneness. Why? Because the singular power of God that created the creation was very domineering on the first day. What happened on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday the world began to experience individual individualization once things started becoming individualized meaning the potential trees started to grow out the monkey, the potential monkeys started moving out into the open that state of individualization and therefore the world becoming far more pluralistic follow? the world started becoming a world of many guess what's happening? we're going away from the singular oneness of the first day along with those multiplicity coming out suddenly what's fading out of the consciousness of all of creation what's fading? it's fading the loyalty to the singular source what happens to all these billions of creatures? well everybody's thinking well you know what I better show up to lunch nice and early so that I can grab a big portion because, you know, you're coming and I want to be there before you. Because I'm more important to you. Why? Because I am. You realize on Sunday no one feels that because there's a certain oneness that every, all of existence just nullified to God. But when you come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as the creation is coming out to full expression and creation by its nature is a creation, something other than God, all creatures and creations start becoming independent, separated, disconnected. So we don't have any more the oneness. Until when? Follow along. Until when? Until when? Until when does the world get lost? Is the world like slowly drifting away from its creator, drifting away from godly consciousness? Until when? Until Adam Arishan opened his eyes. And Adam Arishan opens his eyes and he recognizes a world where everybody is like beginning to think about himself and herself. Where the world is beginning like each one is trying to start uh, pursuing the pursuits of their own ego. And what does Adam do? Goes, on, goes up on top of a mountain, calls everybody back and says, come on everyone, let us bow down. And now everybody, and he explains it to them. That you're all creatures of one God who created you all and is sustaining you all and therefore we're all here each one of you with your talents each one of you with your unique contributions that you can do to we should all be able to create one harmonious world of unity of oneness to serve our one creator and that cry of Adam is reverberating in the world for the last five and a half thousand years through me and you through the mitzvahs that we do through the Torah in which we reach out to everything we can come into contact with and try to bring it into the unity the, the nature of all of creation is to step out of the unity to step out of the oneness to go into a state of fragmentation separation, disconnect the job of the human being is to call everything back into oneness the only thing that splintered is Adam instead of him being one Adam he's, Adam becomes 13 million Jews or eighteen million Jews. We're all Adam. We're all doing the same thing. Each one of us collecting. Unif- that's the whole idea of collecting, elevating sparks of holiness. Anybody familiar with the Kabbalistic concept? Unifying back to creation. But now the question is, which one is greater? The unity that was there the first way, the first day of creation, or the unity that you, the, that, that Adam affects, and eventually, when we rein in all of creation, we have Mashiach. Which one is a more powerful unity? Which one is a greater oneness? So one can argue and say, as godly conscious as we can become, as godly conscious that we can infuse all of our activities with a sense of oneness, by every day saying, Shema Yisrael HaShem Elokeinu HaShem Echad and trying to maintain a oneness throughout the entire day that we serve our Creator all day long even when we're involved in mundane things. As deep and as powerful that is, come on, it's not as great as the first day of creation when the creation was intrinsically one with God. And the answer is, much better. Much, much, much better. Why much better? Because the unity of the first day was a superimposed unity. It was a unity in which every creature felt so connected to God because God was not allowing the creature to have its own independence. It's like a mother having her little children very close by and not giving them ever any sense of expression. Because she's afraid if she lets them out of the nest, the kids will be all over the place. So she's a very... Now there are sometimes, you know, a woman that holds a very tight ship. Her rules and regulations, boom, 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 she doesn't. And even when her kids become teenagers, she freaks out. Because she she wants her kids to be exactly the way she thinks they're. Right? Uh, the real talent, the real talent, a true a mother who's a real educator, parents that are a real educator. Lay the foundations, put in the right stuff, and free them off from the nest. Let them go do their thing, and guess what? They'll do their thing. You're going to cringe inside of you because they're going to be doing things that are so opposite of what you think. But you know what? Give it some time. You know you put in the right foundation. You put in the education. They will come back. They will come back. And they will will do, they will reflect what you are all about with time. The beauty of Adam and his unity is that the unity is not coming from God. It's a unity that comes from us, from the creations. It's one thing to recognize God because God is holding you on a leash. It's another thing that when the creations are given independence, they're given free choice, they're given an opportunity to deny their creator and yet they on their own volition choose to recognize their creator. And that's the chidosh of Adam. Of Adam and then eventually of all of us. We have, we're living in a world that we could ignore God. We could ignore his mitzvahs. We could decide to sit in in front of the television all day Rosh Hashanah and not come to shul to hear shofar. But yet, we don't do that. And we come to shul and we hear shofar and we recognize God as a king. So the unity is much deeper because the unity is not a superimposed unity. It's a chosen unity coming from the creations themselves recognizing that they have no power and no existence other than the God that creates them. That idea... Is emphasized. we're going to bring it all back to the uniqueness of this year. The fact that Rosh Hashanah comes out on a Monday. Why does Rosh Hashanah not able to come out on Sunday? Because the whole point of Rosh Hashanah, as I said earlier, we're not commemorating creation. We're celebrating the, the, the beginning of the human exploration to discover Himself. God created a human being. And... Now the human being is given an opportunity to go out and to do what? Explore. And eventually come to a recognition that what? That there is a God. And we're here to serve Him. And, in, and that improves on the oneness that there is from creation from the beginning. Since Rosh Hashanah is all about our addition over that which God created, Rosh Hashanah can't come out on Sunday. Because Sunday is the day of what? Let's remember what the theme of Sunday is. Sunday is the day where even though there's a creation, the creation is all held very tight by God. Where He makes Himself visible and known to all of His creations. It's like the creation is still still an an embryo or the creation is still a fetus within God. It doesn't have independence and you can get your fetus to behave really well if it's inside of you, you know don't make no trouble, doesn't spill the milk doesn't do anything because it's inside of you When you let, let it out Ooh. so that's Sunday Ooh. what's Monday? Monday represents ah, it's Sunday, now we're gonna do something greater than Sunday we're gonna have Monday and particularly, you'll say any day someone can already say any day of the week is after Sunday so what, what's so special when it comes out on Monday? The specialty that comes out on Monday is Monday out of all days is the day that is the source. The source of conflict. The Gemara says that Mondays are not a good day. It's a day, the Gemara says it's a day that the world, that there was Hashem made machlokas, Hashem made a division. Monday is where division starts. Hashem creates duality. Until Monday there's only oneness. Monday is duality. God separates the upper waters and the lower waters. Division happens. Let's understand. What does that mean spiritually? Division. The creation becomes divided. There are the spiritual beings that cling to God because they're so close to God like angels above. And there's those earthling creations that are a bunch of rebels. There's a division in creation. A higher and a lower. The observant and the non-observant. The believers and the non-believers. The ones who are closer and the ones that are farther. You have all this split in creation is horrible that's Monday but let's go a little deeper why did God make Monday? Hashem made a division on Monday which is a separation and a disconnect from Him so that we can get to Tuesday and what is Tuesday? Tuesday brings peace and harmony between the two the whole point of number three what's the point of number three? the third is the mediator when you have one person living alone I'll put it this way when you're single you have no one to fight with you're alone you get married now what? now the war begins you have someone to fight with so now you're fighting and you have conflict and then you have number three what's the three? either you go to a marriage counselor and it enables you to figure it out and how to come together or you do it on your own but the idea is you figure out number three what's number three? I have my opinions and my desires and, my, and you have yours but we're really one soul so we're really 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 cut out of the same thing so therefore in truth To figure out how to reveal that harmony and that oneness In the duality, bring out the oneness And then when we bring out the oneness in the duality It's even deeper one than a oneness that was never split Because a oneness that was never split Is not really one because It never was put to the test So God's oneness, fine, he's one Of course, he doesn't create nothing to challenge him He makes a Monday, he makes a world He separates it, he creates all this Enemies, he creates all this anti-power against him. And yet, we come to... And this is what's interesting. What is the power of number three in the world? Who is the power of number three in the world? The Jewish people are number three and the Torah is number three. Sages say that the Torah is a triple Torah. Three Torah. Torah, Neviim, and K'suvim. It's made up of Torah, Neviim, the prophets, Ksuvim are the writings. The Jewish people are number three. Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim. We're all an energy of three. What does three do? It harmonizes between... The two powers, the, the break, unifies them together. So what's the whole chidush of Rosh Hashanah? Let's go back. to What's the whole novelty of Rosh Hashanah? The whole power of Rosh Hashanah is that in not in a Sunday world, in a Monday world, man comes to make peace. In a world of split, in a world of fragmentation, in a world of what we call free choice, where we could choose to negate God, that even... The creations from within their own understanding and recognition should recognize and learn how to get along with God. And in the same sense, God should learn how to get along with us too. You see, there's also training on. I mean, it's hard to say that, but that's also true. Because you see, when Moshe Rabbeinu has to negotiate with God, he says, Hey, God, if you just want to be a God and have it your way, you're not going to ever be married. You want to be single, that's nice. You didn't have to. You see the way Moshe does counseling for God as well. I'm sorry. No one should please reveal this share to anybody, but you see that that's really what's happening because God is used to having it his way and he, and he gets so angry at the Jewish people for doing he wants to wipe them out and Moshe says calm down Okay, this is your wife you're going to learn how to get along with her so you know it's not always going to be so and so but we're going to work it out together and so you have that's been all the tzaddikim all the righteous men throughout history have been doing counseling between the Jewish people and God until we can live together happily married when Moshiach will come in that ultimate marriage so you see it's, it's about both sides coming together We learning to live with Hashem and Hashem learning to live with us and to discover how we are really Him and He is really us. And it's all really oneness. That's the novelty of number three. And that is expressed when Rosh Hashanah is on Monday, which means, what's Rosh Hashanah? The addition of the creation, the humanity coming onto the world for what purpose? To add something to the creation. So you have a perfect creation on Sunday, now is Monday, what did we add? Okay? If this is the case, now watch this expressing itself in Nitzavim Vayelech split because when we have to say that or else we, we lost the whole, the, whole, the whole idea. Now let's go back. When it comes out, Rosh Hashanah comes out on a Monday, what happens to these two parshios, Nitzavim and Vayelech? We split them. Let's take a look quickly. This is just going to take three, uh, three minutes, literally. What is the theme of Nitzavim and what is the theme of Vayelech? Nitzavim talks about, it opens up about how the Jewish people are standing before God. How you're all standing in front of God to enter into a covenant. If you read those first few verses, you see that in Netzavim it's very strongly emphasized the greatness of the Jewish people before we, in our essence. You, Israel, and actually it's the only parsha in the Torah, which the first word of the parsha is you, referring to the Jewish people. Atem, you. Now, what does that mean? You Israel, you holy souls, you godly beings, you are so great, you are so holy. And that's why the parasha speaks about how God is inseparable from us because we're a piece of Him and that He swore to our fathers and that He's going to keep His oath to our fathers. In other words, the energy of Nitzavim is a certain greatness about us not because of what we've done but because of who we are. Even before we do anything, we're great. That's Nitzav. What's Vayelech? Vayelech Moshe is speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu when he became 120 years old, the last day of his life. So Vayelech is talking about the achievements of a human being after a lifelong of work. Nitzavim is you as you are the day you're born. Vayelech is you after you've gone through life with all the hardships, with all the ups and downs and whatever you've accomplished. Like... Moshe Rabbeinu's ultimate accomplishments and we the Jewish people are all connected to Moshe. We all have a little spark of Moshe inside of us. And Moshe says, I am now 120 years old. Vayelech Moshe. Moshe goes. So Nitzavim represents the quality of the Jewish people intrinsic as we're created from God. Our holiness as it is Momailah from above. Vayelech is our, our, our contribution. So, when it's and it's actually and it fits very word very good with the, the name Nitzavim means standing. We the Jewish people have a very firm standing. No one can break us because we're a piece of God from above. So in Nitzavim we stand. But we're fixed in one level. How does how do we grow? How do we go to a place where we are elevated infinitely, infinitely, infinitely by the neshama coming down into this world and beginning its life and going through struggles and darkness and. Each and every one of us, every and when we're talking about what I'm talking about right now, is all the stuff in your life, all the experiences, the good days, the bad days, the mistakes you've made, the good things you've done, all the chazarai, all the nightmares, all the meshigas, all the confusion, and all the wonderful, great spiritual, godly moments. I'm talking about the entire package. The entire package is what we call life, and that's all part of vayelech. What does it do to us? It turns us into Vayelech. We move, we walk, we go. Yelech means to go. How far do we go? We go infinitely higher. This leads us to a hope. So Nitzavim is our fixed holiness. Vayelech is... It, in a sense we can say, Nitzavim is the creation of Sunday. How God created the world in a perfect state. Vayelech is the creation of Friday. When Adam and is added to the creation. And now he's going to add his work. Now... The great... Now, when we read Nitzvah and Vayelach together, then we don't emphasize so strong our addition to what is. It's, it's one thing. But when we have these two split, so what we're really saying is, there is the pre-Rosh Hashanah portion before, we be, before man is introduced. It's our holiness the way we are from the way God created us. Great, Wonderful. But we emphasize, but when we're reading Nitzavim, we're looking at the true greatness of the Jewish people. You're so great, you're so awesome, we're so holy. Fine. The greater we are in Nitzavim, then when we read Vayelach as a portion onto its own, then we say, wow, if you're so great before you even started, then we recognize that the elevation that comes as a result of our work is like infinitely beyond that. Vayelach. So after Rosh Hashanah, we're noticing what? Wow, look what happened to you. Vayelach look what kind of elevation which you wouldn't see if the two of them are together when do we split in a year when the, when the, when, when the setting of Rosh Hashanah emphasizes that we are contributing more than what God did when we make a contribution because Sunday is Sunday and when is Rosh Hashanah? Monday our contribution is to enter into a Monday world a world that has already, as I spoke earlier, floated and disconnected itself from its creator and over there reveal the oneness. Pag, bag hamelech. When bays Gimel comes out, Rosh Hashanah, pass, we separate Vayelech because then you can sense the Vayelech as so much greater. And now let me just conclude. What does it have to do with the book of Daniel? The Rebbe says very simple. Rosh Hashanah is a day. Only a tzaddik can say this. He says Rosh Hashanah is the day that the king invites everybody to the royal feast. HaMelech. All the Jewish people and really deserve to receive everything from the king's table. Everything. That means there's no stinginess this year. Ain't. There's no such a thing. God... Needs to provide for every single Jew, everything. Not meager. Meager, meager, meager doesn't work anymore. Why? Because there's no meager lunches in the palace. It's the king's table. Paz Bagamelech, A Jew is invited. You see, in the story of Daniel, the king invited the Jewish children onto his table to eat from his food. Who's the ultimate king? It's God. He needs to invite everybody to eat from his table and eat from his wine. Like the Gemara says, that if you hire a Jewish worker... You have to really provide them with a serious lunch, according to one opinion, because even if you feed them like King Solomon's table, you haven't fulfilled your obligation to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what it says in the Mishnah. You can never fulfill what a Jew deserves to eat for lunch. He's a Jew. He's the sons of Avraham, Yitzchak, he's a royalty. What's a chiddush this year? The Rebbe says, amazing. Since before Rosh Hashanah we only have Nitzavim, we don't have Ayelech, what is em- em- emphasized is that the God's need to provide the Jewish people with all that blessing is not conditioned on our, what we've done. Because we didn't even read Vayelech. We're not even dealing with our contribution. We're dealing only with netzav. The very fact that the Jewish people are, the very fact that we are who we are, we deserve already Paz Bagam. You take the Vayelech out of here. You're not even considering yet our addition. The very fact that we are in Nitzavim, the Jewish people on their own, deserve already, Paz baga for to eat from the king's table. So this year, up there in heaven, there can't be any negotiations. This one deserves, this one doesn't deserve. Everybody eats from the king's table. Because we're basing... vayelach is going to be after Rosh Hashanah. Meaning, we're not judging based on what we've done. We judge based on who we are. That's number one. Number two, the beauty of this year is that it is very, very strongly emphasized what kind of contribution we, the Jewish people, can add more than regular. And where do you see that? Let me just say this very quickly. Where do you see that? In the calendar year. What do we see? First of all, the fact that this year, as we said earlier, all the months are full. It's a full year. That shows... Now, the months being a full year has nothing to do with us. We don't create the month being full. That's a calendar element Which means we're dealing with this year's creation Is perfect from the way God created it Every month is 30 Not every month But the two months that could be 29 are 30 That means we have a creation coming from God That's perfect But in addition to that What happens? It's a leap year So what's the leap year? I'm sorry What's the second edition that we have this year? That when we count Sfirah Omer, It's seven complete weeks So what's the idea behind it being seven complete weeks? Sfirah Saomer is our work Again, it's seven weeks of perfection related So we have two types of perfection this year We have a perfect world that God created And then we have on top of the perfection of the perfect world that God created We have our perfection, the perfection that comes from our mitzvah Because the seven weeks of Sfirah Omer is totally related to our mitzvah of counting. It's not an element related to nature. It has to do with our mitzvah. So there is perfection in our service and there is a perfection in the way God created it. And third of all, it's a leap year. What is a leap year? A leap year says like this. It's a 12 months year. It's perfect. It's a good year, 12 months. And we, the Jewish people, decide we want to add an extra month. And why do we add an extra month? So that Pesach should be at the right time. Meaning to say, in order that we the Jewish people should be able to do our work that God wants us to do, we play around with time. You're playing around with time? You're the owner of time? God created the world. How can you mess with time? And the answer is yeah. We can improve on the world that God created. So this year there's such an emphasis on everything being good, but you can do it even better. The world is perfect this year. We got the 30-30 days calendar comes out excellent. And yet on top of that perfection, we have Sa so Omer being perfect, representing our work. And in addition to that, we take a regular year of 12 months and in order to be able to serve God better, we decide, the basin decides, it's not up to God, the basin down here decides we're adding an extra month. Boom! It's an extra month. So in the year you see the addition, the effect, the impact, of Israel and other Jewish people. That's what's unique in this year, and such. These three things also relate to the perfection of Moshiach. The Same idea; they relate to perfection of Moshiach. The Jewish people are compared to the moon. Remember, we learned that many times. Jewish people, when this year the two months, so we're really connected to the lunar months, because the moon, the month is connected. If this year the months are the most perfect they can be. Because we said the two months that could be lacking Showing that what? That the Jewish people are perfect this year Following? This is a year Where the Jewish people's perfection is coming out Number two When when we make a leap here What are we doing? We're connecting that the moon and the sun should align One of the prophecies that is going to be when Mashiach comes Is that the light of the moon Is going to be like the light of the sun This year We align the moon and the sun together in a leap year. Thirdly, what else happens this year? It's going to be perfect counting. To me most, we're going to count Sfirah Omer perfectly. The counting of Sfirah Omer perfectly is related to mitzvahs that we do in the third temple. We bring the karban on Pesach, which means that all this perfection is leading to the perfection of Mashiach Tzadkain. So ultimately, all these perfections in addition to the fact that the general theme of these perfections are that there is a perfect world and the Jewish people are here to add perfection to a ready perfect world, which is emphasized in this calendar year more than any other time. In addition to that, each one of these perfections, as we spoke about earlier, are related to the futuristic perfection of the ultimate time of Moshiach. May we merit and as we said earlier, in addition to that, Pas Bhagamelech, that this year God cannot judge the Rosh Hashanah based on Vayelach. He's gotta judge since it was only mishpatim. it's only Nitzavim, not Vayelach. So he's gotta judge our deservants to come to invite us to the palace based on who we are and who are who we are in essence are perfect. The whole question of how we perform is if we're dealing with performance. If, we're not, if I'm inviting my distant cousin to come to my house because he's my distant cousin, I'm not inviting him based on merit. It's because you're my cousin. So if, if, if it's it Savim alone this week before Rosh Hashanah, then the pass Bag is very special because the king invites us to his palace to eat. That means every Jew gets whatever we need without any deservance just because. And then, when we get everything, and not only regular, we get wealth, and we get infinite wealth, no limitations, as as deserving as it should be from those that sit at the royal table of the King of all Kings, which is God Himself. Paz bag hamelach, That we merit the Paz bag hamelach on the highest, deepest form ever. <laughs>
1: L'Olivra, elle a bichulich, koladam no man, oh ko lao lam, l'eau livra, et la bichuli ksiaolam. בשבילי צריך אני לראות ולהיין בכל את בתיקון העולם ולמלות חסון העולם ולהתפלל בעבורם נמצא כשהעולם נברא בשבילי צריך אני לראות (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> am <laughs> <laughs> Willing. Cola, Lamlo, Nivra, then I'll be.